Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. I've got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. We're being joined by a former player, well, a former recruit of mine, I should say, who's now pitching in the San Diego Padres organization. For So for those of you who enjoy Figured Out podcasts with pro players, uh, I think you'll really like this one. We're being joined today by Aaron Lasher, who's a left-handed pitcher in the San Diego Padres organization. Um, he's a, a really good person and having a, a really good minor league career and... Um, very much on the verge of, of breaking into the big league. So it's a great time to have him on the podcast. I'm excited to catch up with him. You know, it's been a couple of years since Aaron and I have really caught up. So I'm excited about all of it. I'll give you a quick background on Aaron before we jump into questions with him. He is originally from Mount Pleasant, Michigan. He played collegiately at Moorhead State, uh, the last place where I coached. And again, I, I was in the recruiting process with Aaron, but never got a chance to coach him. But I did get a chance to watch him several times there and uh, had a very good career at Moorhead his junior year, the year that he got drafted, he was a first-team all-conference player in the Ohio Valley Conference. He struck out 105 batters that year. That was third most all-time in a single season at Moorhead State. He finished with a 9-3 and record that season and a 419 ERA. He led the Ohio Valley Conference in wins. And again, that was 2017, the year that he was a sixth-round draft pick by the Padres out of Moorhead State. Since then, he's had a very steady career throughout the minor leagues. 2019 and 2021 are probably his best statistical years, but you know most every season he's put up very similar numbers to one another. In 2021, his most recent season, he split the year between Double A and Triple A. Overall, pitched 64 and two thirds innings, gave up 61 hits, 62 strikeouts to 21 walks, uh, and pitching with his left hand certainly helps a lot. So, uh, Aaron, I certainly appreciate you being on the podcast today, man. I'm excited to get into this one with you. Yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to doing this with you. So I'll typically start with the something from the bio that stands out, uh, and I'm probably going to go to something that's that's maybe not your most pleasant memory ever. I'm going to go back to your freshman year of college, um, where where there were certainly some struggles for you. Now, coming out of high school, you were uh, an athletic, a really athletic kid who had a good arm um, and certainly projected to be. Uh, you know, a really, really good college pitcher and probably a pro out of out of high school. That, that was kind of the way that I looked at you, you know, watching you as uh, as a junior in high school. And um, but your freshman year at Moorhead State, you finished with a 9.71 ERA. Uh, you know, your innings pitched to strikeouts were good. And, and I remember talking with the uh, the pitching coach at that time, who said he's going to be fine. He just needs to work on a couple things. But, uh, you know, in these podcasts, Aaron, I like to record them and think about the people who are listening. And, you know, I know that we'll have Padre fans listening, but I also know that we'll have plenty of high school coaches, uh, you know, potential student athletes, athletes and families that want to uh, – athletes and families of athletes that, that you know, want to play in college. Uh, I want to go back to that time and just – if you can recall – what it was like your freshman year and maybe some of the struggles that you went through. I wonder if you can just talk a little bit about that freshman year and, uh, you know, what exactly happened, how that was for you, what it was like, you know, going from, um, you know, high school in Michigan where you were an all-state, uh, all-state pitcher, uh, you know, to going through some struggles uh, as a as a freshman in college when, you know, you, you get to a new level and sometimes that happens. I just wonder if you can kind of talk about that time a little bit and maybe what you remember from it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just looking back and, and being able to pitch, uh, first and foremost, my freshman year as much as I did, I think that alone kind of, um, you know, just having that opportunity and, and knowing there's going to be some struggles along the way, I think that was big for me. 
Um, you know, I think you see a lot of guys, especially at the Division One level, um, you know, get there and have to redshirt or be limited innings-wise, which is not a terrible thing. You can still learn, you know, from those experiences as well. But, um, you know, like you said, not great numbers-wise, but just knowing, you know, I think I threw, you know, 40, 50-plus innings um, my freshman year, which is extremely helpful to kind of grow and learn from. Um, and, again, that's, I think, I think the biggest thing, as an athlete or as a baseball player is learning from your failures, learning from your struggles. Um, you know, it's going to happen at any stage of your career. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have times where things aren't working out. But um, I think if you if you look at it as a positive um, and know you're going to grow from it and, and, and move on in the right direction, um, those things can be beneficial. So, yeah, I think looking back um, at that year, you know, also also coming from, you know, Michigan and baseball in, in the Midwest is a little different than, you know, say California or Texas or down South Florida or whatever. Um, so just going from that level of baseball into Division One again, kind of realizing there's going to be struggles there and kind of just taking it for what it is, you know, having having good teammates around me, having good coaches, staff around me and, and good family around me. And again, just kind of learning from that experience and, and growing from it and, and making sure the mistakes that were made, you know, that freshman year, um, you know, don't continue into that summer playing summer ball and then, you know, into next spring for the following sophomore year. So um, I think you just kind of, you know, learn from those bumps in the road and, and make the most out of it. And again, just the coaching staff and the guys that I had around me, it was pretty easy um, to kind of learn from those things and, you know, having having guys around me that had went through similar struggles, you know, years previous, um, and kind of seeing the progressions they've made, uh, that was that was big for me as well. And uh, you know, just continuing to grow and continuing to move on. So, what did you learn that freshman year that you were able to take into your sophomore year? Your sophomore year, you dropped your ERA. Now, ERA at Moorhead State needs it always needs an asterisk next to it. Um, if anybody is is familiar or unfamiliar with the the stadium at Moorhead State, um, it is it is not it is a very very difficult place to pitch. So from your freshman year, you finished with a 9.71 ERA as a sophomore. It was 4.57, and then just to give some perspective, as a junior, you were first team all conference with a 4.19 ERA, which may seem high, you know, for college pitchers, but that landed you in a, in a from a mid major as a sixth round pick. So obviously there's. Um, pitching at Morehead State numbers are, are skewed for sure. But you obviously made huge strides from freshman to sophomore year. What kind of adjustments did you make, Aaron? What what did you learn from that freshman year that you were able to take into your sophomore year to end up having a pretty successful season there? I think it was a number of things. Um, just overall progress of maturing as a pitcher, as a person. Um, I think, again, I wasn't in high school. High school baseball for me was, you know, I played baseball my whole life. Um, but it was never, I, I played basketball as well. And that was kind of, I was splitting time between the two and, um, baseball was truly never something that I put a whole lot of time into opposed to, you know, basketball. It was kind of a split thing. So I think just the overall time spent at it where I was dedicating all my time to baseball, um, and, you know, learning, learning myself as a pitcher, learning new techniques to help. Um, you know, mechanically or pitch design or how to attack hitters or just overall, um, you know, strength, arm strength, getting in the weight room consistently. I, so I think, I think a lot of it was just natural progression of putting more time into it. Um, 
but specifically, you know, with the program we had at Morehead State and working with Graham Johnson, um, you know, I think uh, pitching plans, how to how to use my my pitches to get people out um, in a simple format again, because I was very uh, kind of new to that level of pitching. So keeping it simple and, and learning how to attack hitters um, and how my stuff plays uh, the best way. Um, and then just kind of overall strength. I think my velo jumped uh, pretty big in that in that freshman to sophomore year that summer. Um, and that was kind of the beginning. We talked about this earlier, but that was kind of the beginning of my, my weighted ball uh, programming with Graham. Um, so I think uh, just overall strength, arm strength, body strength, and being able to kind of know what I wanted to do against hitters and start to realize how my pitches worked with each other. Um, but again, just kind of the overall natural progression of putting more time in and dedicating more time to a specific, uh, you know, plan and, and having the people around me that I did to kind of hone in on that plan and and make it simple for, you know, someone that, um, you know, wasn't super in tune with, you know, a deep dive into baseball and how to, and how to progress the right way, you know, just being around the people I was, that was super helpful for me in making that jump. I'm interested to talk more about um, some, you know, weighted ball stuff and other things that you do, just training, especially off-season type stuff. But um, I want to kind of stick on that, uh, talking about just progressing from year to year. And and I'd like to talk a little bit about um, progressing through the minor leagues. You know, I've never coached, never played at that level, but from, you know, read a lot about it and and stay pretty in tune with things. And it seems seems like most of the time when – you know, for guys to get promoted, and I've talked to Graham, by the way, so so Aaron has mentioned Graham Johnson here, and, and Graham was the pitching coach at Moorhead State when uh, when Aaron was there, and, and uh, Coach Johnson is now um, a, a pitching coach in the in the Houston Astros organization, and, and, and deservedly so. I think last year, 2021, he was the double-A pitching coach, and I think he's got a chance to stay at that level as a pitching coach for a long, long time, so he was a really good one. But from talking with Coach, uh, with Graham and, and some other people, uh, and just, you know, observing it's from guys to go to from level to level progressing through the minor leagues there, there almost need to be, if this is a, a, maybe a simplistic way to say it, but sort of boxes that need to be checked. You know, you go to a new level, you'll find, you'll have some new struggles. You'll see a higher level of competition, obviously. And you need to, you know, to a point to, um, have a lot of success at that level before you'll get moved up. One of the minor league coaches I've had on here before and talked to him about, guys getting promoted it, it, i think he put it that that a guy needs to get to a point where he's no longer being challenged at a certain level in order to um you know in in, in many cases be promoted to the next level that that's kind of uh, the simplest way that that he could put it when when there's not as much of a challenge he needs a new challenge he's going to go to the next level Aaron for you going from level to level were there specific things that you uh specific objectives that you needed to that you needed to focus on you know maybe for example going from one level to the next, you needed to progress with your slider in a certain way, or you needed to be able to uh, pitch backwards to certain guys, or you needed to be able to establish your fastball in, or I, I don't know what it would be, but were there certain check boxes that you have been asked, uh, you know, by the, by the Padres as an organization to sort of, when you accomplish this, this, and this, like that's when you will be ready for the next level. Are, are those conversations that you have as a minor league pitcher or, um, you know, what exactly do you hear, from the organization 
you know, from level to level about what needs to happen for you to keep moving up? Yeah. So I think, I think every organization kind of has their own, uh, tight, like boxes that need to be checked in order to get moved up. I think every organization kind of has their game plan and, and what they want to see from, from their guys as a whole. And then I think, uh, and then I think individually, I think they have plans for guys and, and what they need to work on. And, and again, what they need to see consistently, um, in order for them to kind of move up through the ranks. So, um, for me personally, um, you know, I know the Padres were big on fastball strike percentage, you know, being able to throw your, your fastball for strikes. Um, and that was something I was always pretty good at and something that, I mean, they always wanted me to improve upon as well, just to get it to a level where it was consistently high. Um, again, another thing for me was, so my splits versus lefties and righties, my splits versus righties is better. Uh, change up is my best pitch which um, kind of makes sense for my splits being better against righties. Typically you throw more uh, lefty change-ups to righties. Um, so another big thing for me was uh, working on a slider, being more consistent with my slider to um, you know get lefties out more consistently, but just figure out a way to get those splits more even. You know, typically lefties are more prone to get lefties out. That's, you know, left-on-left matchups. Um, and it wasn't like my splits were too high, too much of a difference. Um, but again, I, the lefties should be, you know, hitting worse off me than righties. So I think that was a, a thing for me moving up through the ranks was, you know, working on a breaking ball that will be consistent enough to to get those splits more even or uh, more um, sided on the lefties. Um, but yeah, I think I think every organization kind of has their own plan. And again. It, you could, you could, a lot of it's just based on opportunity. I mean, if you check these boxes and you're doing the right thing and you're doing it consistently, but there's no, you know, shuffling around, uh, at the level above you, then sometimes you're not going to get moved. And that's just kind of how it works. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough business and you can be doing the right things and, um, you know, having success and, and you might not see that promotion. So, um, there's nothing, there's no conversations really to, uh, if you do X, Y, Z, you're going to get promoted. Um, but they definitely, you know, like to give you a game plan and, um, they'll kind of, you know, tell you what they're looking for, for you to work on. Um, and if you end up doing those things, uh, at a high level and consistently, you know, there's a good chance you get moved up and continue to get moved up. So, um, I think especially early on in, in the minor leagues, um, when you first get drafted or you first get signed and, uh, you're kind of looking for an outline of, um, specifically me, I'm going to speak just for myself, but you're kind of looking for what, you know, they want out of you and what they want you to, uh, work on in order to get moved up. I think in my later years recently, um, as I've gotten older, I've kind of realized myself just, you know, throughout my off seasons working with people and, um, you know, you, you kind of have to become your own coach in a sense and, and figure out ways to progress and ways to, uh, make yourself better and more valuable. And, and, and that alone will kind of, put you in the position to start moving up. And um, so, yeah, I think, I think there's a, a organizations have like a specific plan for certain guys and what they want to see to move up. And I think as a, as an org, they kind of just have, uh, you know, a bulk of, of what they're looking for in order to progress. And uh, typically they're pretty transparent with that and, and they want to, um, you know, see you execute those things and continue to progress those things. For Aaron Lasher to be, a successful big leaguer, what boxes do you think that you need to check? 
Um, I think we talked about a little bit earlier before the podcast, but um, a more consistent breaking ball. Like I said, my, my splits against lefties are uh, over my course of my career have been a little bit worse than to the righties. So I think, uh, you know, working on that left on left breaking ball to a more consistent rate um, to kind of get uh, lefties out more consistently and then just increase velo. I think average velo, uh, like I said, I, I, I'm able to, you know, throw hard to a certain point and then throughout a season I start to lose it a little bit. So I think uh, sustained velo throughout a season um, would definitely help me there and, and staying consistent with that. And then just a more consistent breaking ball, and, and that's going to help my changeup a lot too, which, like I said, is, is my best off-speed, off-speed pitch. Um, it's going to open up a lot of things for me. So um, I like the path I'm on right now. I think I'm doing a lot of the right things and, and working with a lot of right, right people that are, um, you know, kind of helping me progress in the way I want to. And um, I think it's just finding new ways. You know, I, I think – People, even I was a victim of this, was just kind of getting stagnant and, and trying to do the same things that got me to where I am. And I think there's a happy medium of doing that and not losing who you are as a pitcher. But at the same time, you know, baseball is evolving. All these players are evolving. People are trying new things. Um, and I think you kind of need to go outside your comfort zone a little bit with some of that stuff and um, start to progress and, and, and learn new ways to, uh, you know, help yourself get better. So, um, like I said, I think I'm in a good spot and just working on things that I've been working on the past couple off seasons with breaking balls and being more in tune with uh, the pitch design part of it and, you know, just trying new things, whether it's pitch grips or, you know, sight levels with the catcher or whatever it is, just kind of bouncing ideas off of other guys that are, um, you know, might have uh, better success with the things that I'm working, trying to work on improving um, in order to, to round out my game so um you know i think those are probably the two biggest things though it's just a more consistent breaking ball and uh, increased average velo is probably what i'm working on right now do guys at your level do things like that like mess with grips and just kind of you know i don't want to say fool around but basically fool around with different stuff just to kind of see if something you find a pitch that just has a better feel or like you, you throw one and you throw a slider and, and maybe just first one you throw is like you you feel something and you see the sharp break and you're like man maybe this is something i need to i need to stick with like do you do you have those kind of conversations with guys is that something that people at your level do to try to maybe just see if there's something better not to like change pitches necessarily but like do you mess with your slider grip at all based on like what other guys are doing or maybe what other coaches maybe like suggest something is that something you you do yeah absolutely i think that's one of the biggest pieces of um, professional baseball, honestly, is just you have all these guys around you that are at the same level as you, uh, that come from different places, that have learned from different people, um, and it'd be silly to just ignore that. You know, I think I think there's uh, tons of guys out there that'll um, have all this information and, and be willing to share that. Um, so, yeah, I think whether it's off-season or in-season or spring training, whatever it is, uh, even just watching guys and how they work and, and their routines and um, I think you can take bits and pieces from just about everybody. Um, you're always learning. You're always trying new things. And, um, you know, for me specifically, when I've struggled with, uh, you know, slider consistency, I've always been willing to kind of try new things, and uh, especially in bullpens. You know, now the last couple of years, every bullpen that we throw in season specifically, we have Rapsodo connected. So um, you're sitting there with your pitching coach, and, um, you know, depending on the bullpen, throwing 25, 30 pitches and 
you know, if you're working on a specific pitch that day, say you're throwing sliders, you'll probably throw 10 to 12 of them, maybe more. You can kind of throw a pitch and then dissect it with the numbers and, um, and then obviously the eye test and everything like that. So I think there's, I think there's multiple ways to kind of, um, you know, try new things and, and learn new ways to, uh, to pitch and just new grips and everything. And one of those main things is definitely just bouncing ideas off other guys and just watching them, how they work. I want to go back a little bit, Aaron, to something you said earlier. You, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that in high school you played basketball um, as well as baseball. And I knew that when I was recruiting you. And I'll give my feelings about that later. But, I, I you know, I don't want to um, – I guess I don't want to put any ideas in your head before I ask the question. I, I recently kind of um, went back and forth, had a back and forth with – with a, a big leaguer that I know a little bit um, on Twitter about multi-sport athletes. Uh, and, you know, someone posted something and I I commented and, and then a big leaguer commented to me and then we kind of went back and forth a little bit. But uh, I'm curious to know someone who, who did that in high school. You were a good basketball player as, in addition to being a good baseball player. Uh, and and it, if, I'm not, if I'm not wrong, would, did your parents play basketball at a pretty high level or am I thinking of somebody else? Uh, I think you're thinking of somebody else. My brother coached basketball for a while and played Maybe collegiately. That's um, what I'm that might be where you're thinking of. Okay. Anyway, you're a good basketball player in high school. Um, if you were talking to somebody now, whether it was a, a friend of your family or a younger cousin who was, you know, 15, 16 years old, and they kind of thought like, "Well, I want to play baseball in college for sure, but I really like this other sport—basketball, football, soccer, whatever, ice hockey." Um, would would you encourage that person to play two sport, multiple sports all through high school? Um, again, knowing exactly how your path worked, or do you think that it's better to focus on one main sport? And and who knows, maybe if you focus just on baseball instead of going to Morehead State, maybe you would have went to I don't know Louisville or somewhere like that. I have no idea. But if, if you were talking to to someone like you at, at like you know freshman sophomore year in high school, who's who's you know, future was probably in baseball. What would you say to them about playing multiple sports? Yeah, I've just, I've seen that argument quite a quite a bit as well, and um, I honestly I see both sides of it. You know, for me uh, specifically, I I felt like playing multiple sports. Looking back at it, was definitely the right choice. Um, you know, like I said, it, my time was kind of split between basketball and baseball, and honestly, basketball is kind of my primary sport up until probably my junior early senior year and then that's kind of when I realized baseball is probably the route for me but um I think it's important to play multiple sports I really do I think uh just as being a kid alone just like if you're honing in on one sport you're you're feeling like you're missing out on other things if you're able to play other sports if you're good enough to play other sports and that's something you did growing up when you were younger um I think that alone just being a kid and enjoying that because now that I'm at this level um, that I'm at, it obviously still enjoy it, love baseball, love what I'm doing, but it's a business and it, it becomes a job and it, it's a little different aspect than it is when you're a you know, 15, 16, 17 year old kid. Um, so I think it's important to play multiple sports simply for the fact of being a kid and, you know, the other points that people say and, and, and come up with our, um, you know, not burning out on baseball, not playing however X amount of games throughout the year, traveling all over the place, and 
um, that kind of goes into it too. And um, kind of spreading out your time evenly and not burning out with one thing and then kind of losing, you know, you can lose a passion for it. If you're, if you're a, kind of a kid developing and, and you're doing it because you're told you have to, or because you're good at it and you're playing year round and um, it kind of comes a bird. That was never a case for me. Like I said, I was, I was playing multiple sports and, um, wasn't really burned out on baseball or basketball or anything like that. But I do think I see that now, you know, kids will, it, it, it's like a job for them already in high school and that can affect them. And, you know, obviously it, it's case by case, um, you know, you'll see kids that are playing baseball year round and it'll pay off for them. It'll be a first, second round pick and, and that kind of progresses that way. But um, I, I know my path and, you know, what I did in high school playing multiple sports um, and I wouldn't trade that for, for anything. You know, I think, I think that was, you know, doing that, playing multiple sports in high school. Some of the best experiences of my life were traveling around playing both of those. And, um, you know, I think that alone, just, just being a kid and being able to kind of do, uh, you know, what your friends are doing and, and what you enjoy doing and not fully committing to something, um, at that young an age and kind of burning yourself out. So again, I, I see both sides of it. Um, but I just know my experience of playing multiple sports was, was beneficial and, uh, you know, it's helped me get to where I'm at today for sure. With the situation, like with your brother, as an example, like maybe there's other kids out there that maybe don't know what their sport is until their junior or senior year. Like I get, if you're not very good at one sport, and, and you're clearly you're clearly better at something than another. Um, you know, people kind of saying early on, well, hey, man, you got a real chance to play baseball at a high level. But all those things that you mentioned, I think, are, are very real. The burnout of a particular sport, um, I, I don't think that can be underestimated because I, I don't know any 15 or 16-year-olds or whatever that can do kind of one thing year-round and be totally excited about it and have their heart in it all year-round for years at a time it's a little it's a little different when you're like it you know when you go to college I think as an 18 year old you're mature enough to really kind of focus on that um, and focus on one thing year round but even I think sometimes it's not always easy even for for college athletes to kind of not go through the motions at some point you know I, I think that's a real thing even at the at that level but uh, I certainly think with high school athletes, there's something to playing one sport to kind of stay fresh. You know, the argument that was started that I commented on was essentially, if you want to play in college, I can't see any reason to play. I uh, can't, can't think of one good reason to play another sport. You know, uh, playing basketball is not going to help you throw harder kind of a thing. And it's like, well, I mean, you're right to a point. And I think the one scenario that I could see it making sense to play just one sport is say for example that you want to pitch in college but your velocity is more you know if you're a left-handed pitcher i think if i'm not mistaken the day i came to see you you were like 82 to 86 and and i thought well, okay he plays more than one sport I, I he's athletic and i think the second game of your double header that day you played center field and it was like i can see this guy you know throwing a lot harder and and just you know doing some doing a lot more than he's doing right now and um you know, but just say that you were that same pitcher, but instead of being 82 to 86 at that point in your career, just say you were more like 78 to 82, and you definitely thought you wanted to pitch in college. Like, I can see taking a year or two to focus on development and focus on gaining velocity, but, you know, one of the things that I said in, in this Twitter conversation was, you know, I think if you look at 
like SEC schools, for example, or any Power Five, I guess, that commits a guy. I just saw a thing on Twitter today about a 2025 grad committing to Vanderbilt, and, and like that kid hasn't played a, a game in a, as a freshman in, in college or in high school yet, uh, and he's committed. But I bet that if you talk to those Power Five coaches that are committing kids as freshmen and sophomores, I bet a lot of them would say that they would recommend that those kids play multiple sports between the time they commit and the time they get to college, which, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think the majority of guys would say that. And I think, um, I think the majority of coaches would say that, but I also think that that says a lot about the value of multiple sports and not playing one sport year round. Like why would that SEC coach or, you know, uh, an ACC coach want a guy to play multiple sports year round after they commit as a freshman? Well, I've got to believe that part of the reason why would be so a guys don't get burned out mentally, but also so guys don't get hurt, <laughs> you know? Uh, anyway, I, and I'd like to take that poll sometime, but that was just a thought that I had. And I thought it was interesting to ask you since you went through that as a high school athlete, do you think things would have been different for you, Aaron, if you had only played baseball? Like, do you think you'd have been, you'd have went somewhere different? Do you think that your trajectory would have been any different? I know that's hard to maybe a hard question to ask, but do you think it would, things would have been any different for you? Had you, had you just focused on baseball, maybe trained year round for the last, you know, maybe your sophomore, junior year, something like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely see that of being a possibility. Um, you know, if you're, if you're doing something, Again, it kind of goes back to spending time and putting time into something that you're going to see more benefits from it the more time you put in. So, um, but for me, for me looking back, I think the way I did it was nice because because of the fact that I liked basketball and because of the fact that I had friends that were playing that and you know I was a kid and I wanted to do those things and um, I think if I were to have just stuck to baseball, you know, I could have very easily burned out on that knowing that there was other things out there I wanted to do but because I was better at baseball I was doing just baseball and I think that would have potentially kind of ruined you know could have ruined baseball for me but at the same time I think um you know the more time you put into something you know the better results you're going to see so um but like you said it's kind of just case by case you're just talking about the you know, a guy that's throwing 75 to 80, but throwing is playing multiple sports and, but knows he wants to play college baseball. It's like, well, if you're, if your velo is like that and you're playing, you know, two, three sports, that really doesn't make sense because, you know, the, pro- the progression of, you know, where you're trying to go needs to be, you know, a lot more advanced. It needs to happen a lot quicker in order to get you in a spot to be at a good school and, and to have the ability to play. So. I think it's all case by case. I think if you're, uh, you know, looking back the way you were just talking about how you um, scouted me, it was, uh, you know, I was playing center field, the the second game, that doubleheader, I was a basketball player. I think all those things go into project, projections, which is a lot of what scouting is. You're looking at a guy and saying, this is what he is now. What can he be, you know, two, three years down the road? Um, so I think that goes a, a big part into it is, is seeing a guy that plays multiple sports realizing he's a good athlete if he's able to play those sports at a high level um and and knowing what he's at now and knowing what he's going to be at later because of the fact that he's able to play these sports and play them at a high level so um i think it's all case by case but there's definitely situations where you know if a guy's sticking to one sport uh and and he's looking for those progressions they're probably going to happen a lot quicker but again it kind of goes back to just being a kid and, and 
being able to do things that you want to do at that level. Because if you're fortunate enough to play, uh, you know, professionally and play a long career, um, it becomes a business. It becomes a job. And you'll see that eventually. And, and so for the time being, when you're a kid, I think it's important to do, you know, what you want to do. Um, you know, it's going to help you mentally down the road and not feel like you're, you know, get shorted on anything. No experiences are going to be left behind uh, in, the, in the high school years. You mentioned that just talking about projectability with guys and kind of, you know, when you're scouting high school players at, at 16, 7, 15, 16, 17 years old, like, you, I mean, you have to do a lot of that. But that was that's that to me is the hardest thing about scouting is uh, trying to project what a kid is going to look like four years from now, and uh, you know it's it's a very very inexact science. But something that that I think worked for me as a scout was finding guys who like you who played multiple sports were athletic in general were good at, at another sport you know could go out and play center field when you weren't pitching. Like those kind of things to me were about as sure of a thing as I could have that this kid is going to get better, you know. Whereas the kid who plays baseball year round, trains year round, like to me that guy was a lot harder to project whether or not he was going to get better. And and I felt like with a guy like that, I needed to be sure that his his present ability was already good enough to play for us. Whereas like you, it was like I came back and talked to Coach Johnson about you and thought I said like. I don't know why I can remember this conversation about you, but you know, I can't, I, I just said, I think this, I think he's going to play pro ball. Like I think he's going to be a 90 arm from the left side. And I think he's, I think he's really good. I think he's got a chance to be really, really good. And that was mostly projection. I mean, uh, like I can still remember sitting there watching your game and, and like you threw a couple of really good sliders and a, and a couple of sliders that didn't do anything and a bunch of sliders kind of right in the middle. And uh, I don't even remember seeing a change up from me, maybe like one change up in that game. And which is now your probably your best off speed pitch. And, um, but there was a lot going into it, but that, those were things to me that I liked. I liked you came from an athletic family and, um, you know, stuff like that I think means a lot and is easy to, makes it easy to project on some guys. Um, Aaron, I want to talk a little bit about now about your off-season work that you're doing right now. And, and we talked to, uh, about some of this a little bit, I guess, but um, and some of this we talked about before we started recording. But in the off-season, I, ta- I just had a podcast yesterday with a minor league position player. And like he's, you know, he took a little bit of time off from lifting after the season, and now he's going hard after he's lifting hard like four days a week. Um, that's a position player. As a, as a pitcher, how much, how much focus for you goes into your off season weight room routine? Like, are you trying, trying to make significant noticeable gains in the weight room, or is it different for a pitcher? Um, you know, different objectives than than what a position player might have. I'm just curious about your off season workout plan starting in the weight room. Yeah. Um, so for me, every off season, uh, you know, trying to get stronger is kind of the, the first and foremost biggest thing for me is just there's always room for improvement in, in different areas. And, um, you know, finding out my biggest thing, and this has been the last couple off seasons, is finding out my deficiencies, finding out, you know, the weakest parts of my body and the weakest parts of my mechanics or whatever it is. And, um, you know, the gym I'm working out at here in Arizona is very good at, uh, dissecting that and, and putting programs together that work on those deficiencies and also make sure that your strengths continue to be your strengths. So, um, you know, every off season I go into it, um, you know, trying to get stronger and just the last couple off seasons, it's been more of a detailed oriented plan uh, opposed to just lifting a bunch of weight and, you know, eating the right things and making sure I'm getting stronger, but actually now knowing, 
you know, there's certain things that, that need to get stronger and the certain areas I need to improve upon. So um, I think every off season, that's kind of the plan is, is just to get stronger and get the most out of my body is, is pretty much what it comes down to is, you know, everybody's body moves differently. Everybody's, every pitcher moves differently down the mound. Every pitcher has a different arm action. Um, you'll see guys that have similarities and that helps when you're, if you're able to look at a guy um, that has similar mechanics or whatever it may be and kind of see how they work and, and stuff like that. But for the most part, everyone's different. Um, and just kind of having an individualized plan of what's going to help you progress and what's going to help you get stronger. Um, so yeah, usually, you know, typically early in the off season, um, take a few, maybe a week or two off from everything, kind of give the body a rest and then kind of progress back into it. Um, this off season was a little different for me. I got hurt about halfway through the season, um, and wasn't throwing, uh, for about a month, a little over a month. And then towards the end of the season, started to progress throwing again. So, um, typically I'd take, you know, two to three weeks off of throwing, maybe more depending on the workload that year. Um, but this year I kind of threw all the way through because I already had that break in the middle of the season. So, um, you know, that's kind of another big thing. And that's all individual too is, you know, you'll see guys that don't put down a baseball the entire year. You know, their their volume and their intensity might be light at the beginning of the off season. They'll throw three times a week, super light, just to keep the arm moving. Um, and then there's some guys that will put a baseball down for a month and just completely give their arm a blow and, and kind of, and go from there. But, um, you know, this, like I said, this off season was a little different on the throwing side, uh, kind of already had a, a break in the middle of the season and then continued to throw, um, through my normal break period. Um, but then in the weight room, uh, you know, just lifting three, four times a week and, and having a very good idea of, you know, why I'm doing certain exercises and, uh, you know, programming the right things to, to make sure that I'm working on my deficiencies and, and making sure that, you know, when spring training rolls around in two, three months here that, um, you know, those weaknesses are much stronger than they were towards the end of the, the season last year. So, This podcast today is brought to you by Diamond Kinetics. No matter what season you're in, our friends at Diamond Kinetics are here to help you train smarter and get better so you can dominate on the field this season. DK's line of mobile-based motion technology products give players and coaches the ability to practice smarter, practice more effectively, and have more confidence in the batter's box and on the mound. DK's Pitch Tracker Smart Baseball and mobile app provides an easy-to-understand data, metrics, and pitching analysis right at your fingertips. You'll immediately see velocity, spin rate, and spin spin direction on all of your pitches. And newly updated features such as the auto pitch detection, plus newly added metrics such as spin efficiency and horizontal and vertical break help you get command and control over your entire arsenal of pitches. With Diamond Kinetics, you will train smarter and get better and have more confidence on the field this spring. So Aaron, that's kind of what you're doing in the weight room right now. What about um, a throwing program? Um, I think this is uh, something that, that high schools struggle with sometimes, partly because they don't see their guys enough or maybe even early enough. But um, can you just kind of talk about what your off-season throwing program looks like, not just like your ramp up and things like that, but you know, are you um, uh, in the off-season, are, are you working to – you know, working on a specific pitch, trying to get your spin rate up, trying to get your spin rate down for your changeup, trying to get, um, you know, anything in particular that you work on in a, in a typical off season, whether, whether it's this one or a past one, 
once you start your throwing program or is it mainly just kind of ramping up so that your arm is in shape and ready to go in spring training and then you work with your pitching coaches there kind of curious about the off-season throwing program that you normally go into yeah so this uh this is my second off-season uh implementing weighted balls um into my throwing program so um, in, in college was the first experience uh, I had with weighted balls. Graham Johnson was was big on uh, weighted balls, and um, you know I felt really comfortable with with that programming then. And then once I left Moorhead, uh, kind of let go of weighted balls a little bit just because I didn't have that exact uh, plan anymore. And I I know there's a little bit of risk with them, and um, if I didn't have a outline plan uh, that I knew I was doing and I knew the progression of it. I didn't really want to, you know, get into it. So I took a, a little bit of a break from the weighted balls. Um, and then the last two off seasons, I've started to implement it again. And, um, so that's kind of been the biggest thing is, you know, every, every day I'll start with my, my weighted ball program. And, uh, that's kind of my warm up and, or, uh, you know, heavy load for the day. And then, uh, the progression is, is basically just kind of, for me now, it's basically just a feel. So, um, like I said, I, I took about a little over a month during the season of no throw to recover from an injury um, and then started to progress towards the end of that season and then have thrown through the offseason uh, off thus far. So um, it's kind of just a slow progression. I'll do my weighted balls and then I'll throw lightly, uh, um, you know, for low volume, low intensity. Uh, I think I started three to four times a week of throwing, uh, you know, usually maybe Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, something like that. Um and then just kind of progress from there on how I feel, um, knowing that, you know, February is when, you know, spring training will start and, uh, you know, having to get off the mound, uh, you know, with hitters before that, probably a couple weeks before that, and then getting off the mound previous to that with bullpens and um, stuff like that. So I know certain guys have specific plans and certain days they throw and the amount of throws. Um, you know, for me, it's more based off feel. I have my routine with weighted balls that I do every day. Um, I know that's going to stay the same, um, and there's progression to that as well. And then the baseball side of things, kind of just to feel. Um, I I do like long toss. It's not a huge part of my program. Um, you know, I think I think certain guys, you know, love long toss, and that's something they that implement um, all the time. Uh, I do long toss, but again, it's not it's not something that I'm you know, huge on and I can, I can get something out of, uh, I can get a similar feel of long toss through other forms of, you know, whether it's pull downs or more volume or whatever it is. Um, so yeah. And then the, the, pro, the progression of the throwing program for me is like, again, just based off feel and then I'll get off a mound, uh, typically get off a mound um, early to mid January. Um, and when I say get off a mound, that's like, starting bullpens I, I right now i'm i will throw off all my weighted balls um and eventually start to do some touch and feels and start to work on things that um, i want to work on this off season but uh early to mid january is probably when i'll get off a mound and have pretty high intensity and treat it like a full bullpen um and then specific things that i'm working on uh pitch design wise is slider um that's something that i want to key in on my my change up is like I've mentioned, is probably my most consistent, best off speed, and I feel really comfortable with that. And you know, obviously, you got to stay in tune with that, and make sure you're you're not losing anything there. But um, slider for me is something that I need to make more consistent, and I think that starts with being more knowledgeable on what makes a good slider. So, um, you know, getting off the mound and trying new grips, 
getting feedback from other guys, uh, pitching coaches, uh, other players, and just seeing the results uh, after throwing, you know, certain grips, certain arm angles, certain different cues that uh, at release or whatever it may be, um, and just being able to make that more consistent. So that's kind of my thing this off season is once I do get off the mound more consistently and start to throw that slider uh, a bit more is just being able to hone in on that and, and figuring out my cues and figuring out what's going to make me be more consistent with it. Cause um, you know, there's times where that slide is really good and I can throw it where I want to, and it's got the action on it that I want it to. Uh, but it hasn't been consistent enough for me to be happy with it and continue to progress with it. So um, that's kind of how my throwing program goes. I think everyone's again, a little different with theirs. Um, some people have a more outlined thing and, and very strict on uh, what they're doing. Um, I kind of go to feel with the baseball side of things and, and, and make sure my weighted ball stuff stays pretty routine. Um, again, because I know there's not a lot of room for error there when you're throwing, uh, you know, heavier balls than you're used to. So you got to stay kind of in tune with that stuff and make sure you're doing it the right way and, and staying safe with it. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty normal progression for me throughout the off season. And the end goal is obviously making sure you're ready uh, when when games roll around and make sure your arms in a good position to uh, be able to compete at a high level. Is that is the off season throwing program? Is that your call? Is it the is it the Padres? Is it um, did they give you some suggestions and, and you were able you have a little bit of room to play with it? Yeah, so they they will typically uh, give you a throwing program. Uh, you know, towards the end of every season for the off season, and again, kind of just outlines. Uh, throwing progressions and distances at certain dates. Um, they've started to implement uh, weighted ball stuff if, if people are doing that, kind of their choice there. Um, for me, at this stage of my career, I, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, probably off the podcast, but um, at this point in my career, you kind of just have to be your own coach because, um, you know, you know yourself the best. Um, you got to be self-efficient. You got to rely on uh, – you know, knowing what is best for you. And, you know, obviously I've been along this entire journey with myself and I know, you know, where I've been at and the things that work for me. So um, for me, my throwing program is, is kind of my thing, but it definitely is bits and pieces of, you know, what the Padres have given me and um, whether it's been beginning of my career with them or stuff they've given me throughout the, throughout the career or the throwing programs they give in the off season. It's kind of a combination of all that, um, but again, just kind of knowing what I know and continuing to progress with who I am specifically, a lot of that comes from within and just, um, you know, bouncing ideas off other guys and, and being able to uh, kind of just understand who I am as a pitcher. You've mentioned a couple times now just the, um, you know, kind of relying on some other guys in the minor leagues for one thing or another, whether it's, you know, teammates or, or whatever. Uh, and I know that you mentioned that Moorhead State, it helped you to have some older guys that at the time when you got there as a freshman that had gone through the same thing as you and, and kind of were there to help you along a little bit. Um, have there been any any mentors for you in the minor leagues that have been more influential than others? You know, players, coaches, whoever it may be, Aaron, just guys that have kind of taken under their wing a little bit and, and have really put some um, – you know, put some time and effort into making sure that, that you're the best that you can be and to kind of help you through some difficult times or whatever. Are there any guys that, if I you know, kind of say that, any guys that stand out, any guys that have been there through you, with you through a lot of your progression and a lot of, uh, a lot of your time in the minors? 
Yeah, definitely uh, a lot of guys that have been there. First guy that comes to mind uh, is a buddy of mine named Tyler Higgins, um, who's you know four or five years older than me. He's been uh, playing professional baseball for a while. We actually went to the same high school in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. He's, like I said, four or five years older, so we didn't actually go to school, but families know each other, grew up in the same town. Um, and when I got drafted, we connected and um, at this point he was probably four or five years into minor league baseball um, so he was super helpful for me and kind of giving me an idea of what to expect from you know any perspective whether it's baseball side or travel side or off-season plans um, just anything that he's experienced he was very helpful with that and still have a good relationship with him today and he's actually playing over uh, in Japan um, doing really well over there so um, he's the first guy that comes to mind. He's, he's been super helpful, and he's experienced a lot. He's been with a handful of different organizations, and like I said, he's playing uh, over in Japan now. So he's he's seen a lot. Um, he's done a lot. And having someone like that in my corner that's able to kind of give me an idea of what to expect, and um, he's he's very helpful with that. And just the baseball side, he's a baseball nut. He he's, knows a lot of stuff and um, kind of just easy to talk to as far as um, – you know, pitch progressions and what to, how to face hitters and just anything baseball related. So he's, he's been helpful for me. Um, Padres wise, there's a couple pitching coaches I feel really comfortable with. Um, Pete Zamora is a guy that's been uh, a pitching coach with us for a while. Um, and he's kind of moved up. I've had him at, uh, two different levels now, I guess three different levels. Um, he, he was with me in the, when I first got drafted, he was the AZL pitching coach and then he was the pitching coach in 2019 in Lake Elsinore. Um, I had him there. And then this year in San Antonio, he was my pitching coach double A. So uh, he's kind of progressed with me, which has been nice because especially in, uh, you know, this line of work, there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of new faces typically. It's kind of a revolving door. But um, so he's been a guy that I feel super comfortable with and, and, and know that what he's telling me is factual and, and I just really trust his opinion, and uh, and he's he played. He had a pretty long minor league career too, so he's played. and He's easy to uh, relate to in that in that manner. But um, again, there's there's a lot of guys, some more impactful than others. But I think over the course of a career, you play long enough, you're going to have tons of guys that um, you can pinpoint. You know who's helped you the most, and uh, even if it's a small bit of information, or even just picking something up from watching them. You know, there's there's tons of ways to learn and. Um, I've been pretty, pretty lucky to have uh, some of the people in my professional career that have helped me, you know, progress the way I have. You're you're to the level of minor league baseball now, where I'm sure that you've, um, you know, I don't know if you how, if you've gotten to know, but have at least been around and, and kind of had some some time uh, around some big leaguers. You know, whether it's at it's at spring training or whether it's uh, you know minor league rehab assignments or, or whatever whatever it may be. Have you had a moment where you you had an an encounter with a big leaguer that was just a, a really cool experience where you you sort of were like holy cow like I'm I'm here like I, I'm here with this guy I'm at, I'm you know I have a chance to pitch on this guy's team in a couple of years I don't know whether it's a big name or whether it's just a cool experience did you have you had anything like that have you had any experience like that that uh, that was just sort of like a almost like a wow moment like a, I'm I actually have a shot here you know I, I'm you know almost like you step back and like I'm okay I'm, I'm pitching a pretty high level of pro ball here and I just just talked to so and so and I've got a chance to 
really do something here and actually pitch for the Padres. Did you have you had anything like that since you've become a pro, Aaron? Um, I I wouldn't say there's been like a like an aha moment or anything like that where it's been kind of like a blaring moment, but um, this past spring training, last year's spring training, I was I got an uh, invite to big league camp, um, and was able to you know kind of mostly just watch mostly just watch some of these guys like you Darvish and Joe Musgroves and and guys like that watch their routines watch how they work um you know just kind of watch their day-to-day and uh a little bit of bouncing ideas off them and and really just kind of getting a feel for what makes them tick what what kind of what what things they're working on what uh progressions they're trying to work on and um so that was a really cool experience for me, just being around those guys that have been doing it for so long and just to see them continue to learn. Like, you know, they're, they're never not learning. They're never not tr- trying new things. Um, it's a very, it's a very unique, uh, skill set these guys have and they're not satisfied with anything. They know that, like I mentioned earlier, baseball is evolving and you gotta try new things. You gotta be, uh, you know, comfortable trying new things and kind of expanding on what's gotten you to that point. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's been like an aha moment of any sort. Um, but there's definitely, you know, specific, specifically in that spring training last year where just seeing guys work and, you know, I've taken, I've taken things from their routines and kind of implemented it into mine and, um, you know, been able to, you know, see those guys and how they do things. And that's been big for me is just seeing guys that have been doing it for so long and, uh, doing it at a high level for so long and seeing their, routines and, and realizing that uh, you never stop learning. There's always stuff out there. There's always information out there. And um, if you want to do it uh, for as long as you can, then you got to continue to be a student and uh, figure out new ways to uh, make yourself a better pitcher. Did you actually ask questions to those kind of guys? Did you have conversations with them or did you sort of just take the position? Like I'm just going to sit back and listen and watch and just kind of observe and, and learn what I can learn from, you know, kind of from afar. Did you, I, were you was it intimidating to be around them did you get a chance to talk to them at all or what was the what was that experience like for you so this spring training was a little different so it was mostly from afar it was almost split uh typically spring training minor league and major league spring training are typically at the same time um but because of covid last year they uh delayed minor league spring training and just had big league uh spring training uh as the only people in the complex but with that they kind of had it wasn't two spring trainings, but it was kind of split as far as backfields and, uh, you know, just certain groups would stick together because of kind of COVID related stuff and make sure it was the same group of people ever, uh, together every day. So most of that stuff was from afar. Um, there was a few casual conversations or just kind of group conversations where you're, you know, you're throwing a bullpen, uh, and there's, you know, 12 mounds and you got, pitching coaches and you got guys throwing bullpens and um you're kind of waiting in line or you're waiting around for a bullpen or you finish your bullpen and you stick around and you just hear the dialogue between you know like like one of those guys that have been doing it forever and a pitching coach and you're like all right well this information is super beneficial i'm going to take this in i'm going to soak it in so a lot of that stuff was kind of from afar especially because of the way that spring training was formatted with it being a lot less people there than typical and they kind of break it up and and keep it a little i guess more safe with covid and everything so um yeah most of it was from afar but there was a few conversations here and there and um again just kind of that's that's never going to be something that i stopped doing i think you'll see guys with 10 plus years of big league experience that are still 
you know, learning from guys and finding new ways to pitch. So that's something that I'm going to continue to do throughout my career. One last question before I let you go. We, you know, we spend a whole hour here talking about baseball, but I think it's, you know, sometimes when you, when you observe athletes, it, that's all that they are to you is, is an athlete. And, you know, in this case, it's, we spend this whole time talking about baseball, but, you know, obviously you guys have lives outside of baseball. You've got a family, you've got, um, you know, you do other things, you have other interests besides baseball. Aaron, if I can just kind of finish up with one non-baseball related question, if you, and maybe this is something you hadn't thought of before, but if you weren't playing baseball, what would Aaron Lacer be doing right now at this point in your life? Any idea? I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I was studying business management. I know that much in, in college. Um, I love sports across the board. I, anything sports related, um, you know, is something I would take interest in. But honestly, never really had that thought. By the time I was kind of looking at the next step of, you know, what I was going to be doing with a degree, what was going to happen after college, I started to realize, you know, I was going to have a chance to play professional baseball. And um, uh, I'm kind of the guy that puts, I don't want to say puts all his eggs in one basket, but uh, if I'm going to be doing something, I want to be all out. Not that I don't have, uh, you know, backup plans or anything like that, but um, I would think I would stay in in sports in some capacity um not exactly sure what that looked like maybe on the the business side of things or um getting in the front office someday or i don't know about coaching or scouting but i think you know those things would be interesting too um but yeah i don't i don't have a specific you know backup plan but i do know that staying in sports would be you know something i would take an interest in once you're in that's kind of the life you live it's it's hard to not be in that in that arena anymore, which you and I can talk about that someday if it gets to that, <laughs> what yeah. it's like, but it's, it's, um, you know, as long as you can stay it, whether you're a player or a coach or a scout, like you said, it's, it's kind of one of those things. That's, you know, I think baseball maybe, and, and probably other sports are very similar too, but you know, once you're in it, it's, it's hard to think, hard to imagine doing anything that's unrelated, you know? Yeah. So, um, Aaron, this has been really fun. It's been a, a really enjoyable. This is Aaron Lacer, everyone, who is a he's a left-handed pitcher in the San Diego Padres minor league organization, and hopefully you'll be seeing him on the big league field in the next couple of years. Um, you know, Aaron, I, I appreciate the time today. Uh, I always enjoy following you and kind of seeing how you're doing. And, and of course, you know, I don't like to, um, you know, I typically don't reach I don't reach out to guys during seasons much just to let you focus on things and not, you know, not. Uh, not get your mind off off of things that it needs to be on but just know that you know i've always i've followed you since you know from your career in, uh, at moorhead state and in the minor leagues and you know just really wish you all the success in the world i think you're a great kid and anybody that's listening to this podcast at this point um you know you're you're more than just a guy that throws to your left arm you know you're i think you're obviously a, a pretty bright guy who's got an idea of what you're doing and what needs to happen for you to get where you want to go and uh you're a really well-spoken person and, and clearly someone who's given us you know, given your, your profession, um, a lot of thought. So I appreciate all the, all the time you've given today, all the questions you answered and just appreciate being a guest in a podcast. Yeah, Jeff, I appreciate you having me on. It was, uh, it was a good time and I hope we can do it again sometime soon.